While we remain standing, I'd like to offer the scripture lesson for the sermon today. If you'd like to join me in 1 John chapter 1, I'll be reading the entirety of this chapter, 1 John chapter 1. The word of the living God. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, continues to cleanse us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Thus far the reading of God's word, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you through Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, and we ask now that your living word, the word of life, shape us, change us, as you have promised to make us more and more into the image of your Son. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear wonderful things from your word. We'll wait upon you on this. Through Jesus we pray, and amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I introduced a sermon series, kind of an interspersed sermon series, with Pastor Jeffrey's sermon series on James. I'll be going through 1 John. So we're still working on the choreography of this. Pastor Jeffrey will continue on with James, and every once in a while, I'll pop in with a sermon series in 1 John. A couple of weeks ago, when we introduced 1 John, I mentioned to you that this is the approach we're going to take. What's 1 John about? 1 John is a letter of pastoral affection dealing with cares and concerns in the congregation. 1 John is a letter of pastoral affection. John does not back down from calling the congregation beloved or children or little children. It's a letter of pastoral affection dealing with congregational cares and concerns. Each one of John's five distinct statements, this is why I am writing to you, or this is why we are writing to you. Matter of fact, there could even be 11 of these statements. Each one of those statements deals with a very real congregational care or concern. In our passage today, John says that this letter is written to tell you about fellowship and joy. The absence of fellowship is a form of deadly isolation, whatever the cause of that may be. The absence of fellowship is an absence of communion. It's a joyless and frightful loneliness. And this is still an abiding concern. So John says, this is why we're writing to you. I wanted to tell you about fellowship and full joy. 
isolation and loneliness. It's still an issue today, not just to the congregation to whom John wrote, but today. Who wants to die alone? So many of the foolish decisions people make, so many of the unions that people enter wrongly, if you do a scratch and sniff and if you back up a few steps, you'll realize no one wants to die alone. Fellowship or communion is a very real concern. John is writing to deal with true fellowship and so that his joy may be full. John writes, if you'll take a look at verses 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus the Messiah. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John writes to address this saying that fellowship has been restored. A relationship is possible. There is no rejection. And all of this is found in the Father and in the Son. And how does John do this? In this passage, John does this by looking back. He looks back to the beginning. And he also looks forward to a new beginning. So John is looking back to the beginning... And he looks forward to a new beginning, a new world, a new creation. John begins with the beginning. Now back up to verse 1. John begins with the beginning. He opens this letter with these words, that which was from the beginning. When John opened his gospel, the fourth gospel, he began in the very same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John begins with the beginning. And this opening chapter, if you listen to it carefully and if you read it carefully, you'll find that it is filled with the sounds and the sights, the echoes and the images of that beginning. John mentions sounds, that which we have heard. He mentions sights, that which we have seen and our eyes have looked upon. And he mentions things that are touchable, which our hands have handled. Then he goes on in the rest of this chapter to speak of the life-giving word, the word that is spoken and gives life. He speaks of light and darkness. He speaks of fellowship being present and fellowship being broken. He speaks of the lies and the truth. He speaks of the confession of sin or the denial of sin. All of these are topics or themes that are found right in the beginning, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And all of this helps us understand what to many people consider to be a very curious introduction to a letter. We need to look back to the beginning so that we can look to a new beginning. This is how John begins. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. As John takes us back to the beginning, we begin to hear echoes of that beginning, of creation, of that new world. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. This is odd. Have you ever considered what the sounds of creation might have been like? What, what would creation have sounded like? What are the sounds of creation? 
What did it sound like when the author and the creator did the work of creation, when he spoke the worlds into existence? Now, we know that the Lord created by speaking. This would have been the word that brought all things into existence, the word of life. So at the beginning, our Lord pierced the darkness by saying, let there be light. What about the Lord's voice? The Lord is speaking at the beginning. That would have been the soundtrack of the beginning. Psalm 29 tells us that the voice of the Lord is powerful. It is like thunder. The voice of the Lord, Psalm 29, 3 and 4, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. In the 104th Psalm, we find that the Lord's speech was involved in creation in both commanding and controlling. May this be the case and now do this. Job 38, it's fascinating. When the Lord is questioning Job, he asks Job, have you ever commanded the morning? So it's not just that original light, it's every day's light, every day's new day. The Lord asked Job, have you ever commanded the morning? It's as if each new day, it's the Lord saying, now, up, new day. That same chapter, Job 38, when the Lord is speaking, he asked Job, were you there when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? Creation had a soundtrack. Creation was marked by singing and shouting. What does John do? John points us back to creation, and as he does so, he is telling us of a new world, a new creation, new life. He has heard about it. He has heard this thunderous word, and he's telling us about it. So those are the sounds, what we have heard. John goes on to cite what we have seen And that's the passage. It continues in verse 1. What we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Hmm. Now that's interesting. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. Have you ever wondered about this? It seems as if John is just piling terms on top of each other. Much of it sounds similar, uh, redundant. Like you're saying the same thing. Again and again, I just heard that. He says, which we have seen and looked upon. Hmm, that's not all. He says, which we have seen with our eyes. Well, isn't that the usual way of seeing? Which we have seen and looked upon, he says. Of course we have seen it if we have looked upon it. So it seems like an odd duplication of terms here, but John's not just filling space. Some have suggested that what John is doing here is intensifying something, as if he's doing this. We saw it, and then we looked more closely, more intently, more seriously, and that's possible. But if we keep in mind how John began, beginning with the beginning, that which was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked upon, 
It's more likely that John is hearkening back to creation and piling up visual terms as a way of imaging that original creation. Now, here's a little bit of an exercise. I'm going to suggest it, but we're not going to do it. If you were to listen to the first three chapters of Genesis being read out loud, which we're not going to do, some of you are thinking. If we were to listen to the first three chapters of Genesis read out loud, you might be surprised at what you hear or see, and that you might see things that you had not seen before. Let me remind you. When our Lord pierced the darkness, and he said, let there be light, that was the hearing, and God saw that the light was good. God saw that the light was good. The Lord God created the dry lands and the seas, and God saw that it was good. The plants and the trees were brought forth, and God saw that it was good. It's as if this opening chapter is filled with visual comments, visual statements. And if you listen, you're going to hear it over and over again. Various living and creeping creatures were brought forth, and God saw that it was good. After crafting his image bearers, male and female, and blessing them, God said to them, Behold, and behold means take a look. Open your eyes. I have given you a menu. And then the very last verse of Genesis 1 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, take a look. It was very good. Now that's God's sight. That's God seeing things. John says, That which was from the beginning, which our eyes have seen. Now, of course, we can't see anything unless God creates it. But Genesis 2, keep listening and hear what you can see. In Genesis 2, the trees that were coming forth were pleasant to the sight, pleasant to the eyes. In Genesis 3, that crafty, cunning serpent went after the eyes during his temptation of the man and the woman. This is how the serpent lied. This is how it lied. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened The very next verse, then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes. The very next verse in Genesis 3, after both the woman and her husband ate, the eyes of both were opened. It's as if John is so wrapped up in the narrative of creation, it shaped him. And he speaks this way. He writes this way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now, I need to clarify something. John is not here saying that he was there and saw that original creation as if there's some kind of time travel going on. That's not what John is saying. He is saying that the same Lord and God of that creation is the very same Lord and God now of this creation. We have heard, we have looked upon, we have touched. All of this is concerning the word of life, and it is all found in a person, Jesus Christ. That's where he's going with this. However, there's more. Genesis, uh, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1 
is looking back, hearing the echoes, and seeing the images of the beginning in order to say there's a new beginning. There's more. That first creation was marked by what? By fellowship. And by fellowship being broken through sin and lies. Now John goes on in this passage and speaks of the possibility of fellowship being restored. Are we still in, a, in, in the condition of broken fellowship? No, John is saying, no, I'm going to write to you about fellowship. I'm going to deal with your isolation. The rest of 1 John deals with other themes from that first creation, light and darkness, truth or lies, dealing with sin or denying sin, all echoes and images from the beginning. John is saying that this fellowship is restored. This fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus the Messiah. That's what Jesus' answer to Andrew. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have I been with you so long? God the Father loves so much that he's made himself known in Jesus Christ. This is why John is, in, is, in, is pressing this point. In, verses, in verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You can't have fellowship with the Father without having fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Some people can say, I am of God, but not of Jesus. No, it can't be that way. You're going to have fellowship with the Father, it's going to be fellowship with the Son. So there we are. There's a, another brief intro to 1 John, dealing a little bit with 1 John chapter 1. Now there's more to come. Lord willing, in the weeks to come, as Pastor Jeffrey and I work our, they, they call it choreography, as we work through that, uh, We'll be dealing more specifically with the sins that are mentioned, that which breaks fellowship. And that's why 1 John chapter 1 ends with so much. Somebody says, you know what? I'm good with God, but I'm living in sin. I'm good with God, but I hate my brother. And John is saying, do you confess your sins? If you do, God is faithful and righteous, and he will forgive you your sins. So let's conclude. A little reminder. 1 John is a letter of pastoral affection dealing with very real concerns and cares in the congregation, in every congregation. Restoration is possible. And let me end by saying this. This restoration is not abstract. It's not reducible to an idea, a thought, a notion. It is found in a person It occurs in a person and it is seen in the Lord's people. John is concerned over and over again to say, if you're going to abide in the Lord, you're going to abide with one another. If you're going to love the Lord, you're going to love one another. You want to have proper fellowship with God the Father and God the Son? You're going to have fellowship with one another. This is why he said in verse 3, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And most people say, yeah, good, I want that. But later on in verse 7 of this very same chapter, he says, But if we walk in the light, remember that creative light? Let there be light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, because God is light, we have fellowship with one another. One another. This is where some people tap the brakes, where they say, I want to get off the bus. I want to get out of here right now. You're going to walk in the light? You're going to have fellowship with one another. 
And that sometimes, that is sometimes rather messy. We have fellowship with one another, and John goes on and says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, keeps on cleansing us from sin. And why does John say it that way? It's because when you're in fellowship with one another, you're going to stumble with one another. There's going to be sins against one another. And this is why John is pressing the point, and the blood of Jesus, his son, keeps on cleansing us from, from, from sin. All right? So now, this is the beginning. It's a new beginning, a new creation, a new world. And the rest of this will be opened up in the rest of 1 John. May the Lord provide for us, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear, for we are his new creation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in your kindness, you have made yourself known. You have done this through Jesus Christ, the faithful servant, the great physician, the good shepherd, our mediator. Heavenly Father, continue to give us eyes to see your word in scripture and your word in flesh through Jesus Christ and your word lived out among one another. Beautify this congregation, Lord, for we are needy, we are weak, but you are strong. Lord, we'll wait upon you for this because we bear your name and we long to bear your name honorably and we long to see this congregation one that honors your name, edifies one another, and gives honest testimony to the watching world. Through Jesus we pray and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.